The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and I'm delighted to be recording live from the International Leadership Association Conference in Atlanta. I am the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders in their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses, and work with them to develop strategies and business and leadership practices that leverage those trends and create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member with universities in the U.S. and Germany. We talk about the rate of change in our current world, and according to Ray Kurzweil, we anticipate that technology change in this century will be 20,000 times the rate of the last century. And what that really means for leaders is that we will have to metabolize these changes, identify which ones impact our industries, and create solutions that enable our businesses to, to continue to thrive without being derailed. It also means that the complexity of these changes is continuing to increase, so our complexity as leaders needs to correspondingly increase. And that's really a lot of the impetus behind this work, is helping leaders innovate how they lead or specifically change their business practices, their leadership practices, their leadership behaviors in a way that corresponds with the environmental changes that we're all facing such that their organizations will be better off with these changes rather than getting derailed. In addition to sharing models and our experiences, I invite you to listen for something from each of the presenters that you might want to implement in your own lives. I talk about leaders moving from command and control, but toward what? It's the mind of the scientist. As I am faced with these changes, how do I know what to do, how to do it, when to do it? And for most of us, we are creating the leading practices. We no longer have books to go to that define what is best. That's in our court. So how as a leader do I go from being a great student of the master's to becoming one of the masters. And I will be sharing information from some of those masters for you to leverage such that you become one of the masters. So I invite you to listen each week for something that you can implement in your own leadership and test it out. And I would love to hear back from you if you find something that was particularly useful. Either email me at info at metcalf-associates.com 
or visit our Facebook page, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I would love to share your successes and lessons learned with our listeners. So today's guest is Bill Gentry. We're at the International Leadership Association Conference. Bill is the Director of Leadership Insights and Analytics and a Senior Research Scientist at the Center for Creative Leadership, a top-ranked global provider of leadership development based in Greensville, Greensboro, North Carolina. Bill's current focus is on helping new leaders who are managing for the first time in their lives, particularly those on the front lines in entry-level and front first level positions in organizations. He's published more than 40 peer-reviewed articles on leadership and organizational psychology, and his work has been featured in more than 50 media outlets, including Harvard Business Review, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes.com, and Chief Learning Officer. So I've got to just make the editorial comment, 50 media outlets, that's phenomenal, and 40 peer-reviewed articles. Mm So you must be doing this all the time. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful <laughs> part of my job is to do the research and try to get it out there for, for people to, to use. Cool. So he's recently published the book, Be the Boss Everyone Wants to Work For, A Guide for New Leaders, a compilation of actionable lessons he's learned firsthand and through his work training top executives, which provides a six-step plan for new managers on how to flip the script to be a better boss. And he's going to talk about Mm -hmm. what flipping the script means. So becoming a boss for the first time is challenging, and many new leaders don't succeed. And despite the fact that this group of managers shapes the future of organizations' leadership pipeline, nearly 60% of new managers report never having received any training on how to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not surprisingly, only half of these new leaders are considered successful, which spells trouble for their organizations. So as part of the Thought Leader series, I invited Bill to discuss the challenge of first-time leadership and his book focusing on helping new leaders and the teams they lead. So, one, welcome. Thank Thank you you for making time. Very honored to be here. So let's start with CCL for a minute and then go into your yeah, book. Yeah. So I, I, uh, it's really great to be here in Atlanta for ILA because I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, about two hours north of uh-huh. here, and then went to college here in Atlanta at Emory. Okay. And graduate school at the University of Georgia, and that's where I got my uh, IO Psychology PhD. Okay. And right after that, um, I had this dream job lined up at a place that I really wanted to go. I had mm-hmm. to dress in a suit every day and get stock options everything. <laughs> And the, the funny part was I failed the managerial test, the supervisory test. Oh, really? And yes, because they were setting me up to become a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Of course, I've never led before. And so I was being set up for it. I was groomed for it, but I, mm-hmm. I failed the test. And the funny thing is um, the test was made by a bunch of biopsychologists. So I was getting a Ph.D. in something uh, that a bunch of people made, and I failed it. So it was a very humbling experience for me. I can imagine. And I want to hear more as yeah. we go through. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're going to tie that to some yeah. of your research. Definitely. Because that had to shape a bit of your... It did. It did. Because, you know, in the end, they said, you know, Bill, you're a, you're a great individual contributor. Mm-hmm. You know the stuff. You have a lot of technical savvy, just like many of these individual contributors out there right now. Mm-hmm. Very smart, intelligent, motivated. But you didn't, through the process let us know that you actually knew how to lead other people. And that really, as you said, shaped the way that I really thought about what leadership really meant and the 
uh, 11 years later. The, so uh, to kind of back up, I was mm-hmm. able to do a postdoc at the Center for Creative Leadership. Oh. And it totally just changed my life. And, and you know, when one door closes, one door opens, mm-hmm. as you know. And the best thing that ever happened to me was not getting that job and coming to CCL. You know, I had a similar experience where I interviewed for something, didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And it was not unlike what happened. We had to do in the interview that one of these exercises like lost at sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had the highest score, but I didn't influence people on the team mm-hmm. to my position. Right. Because I'm a little quieter. Mm-hmm. So how, what does leadership look like for people who aren't jumping on the table to get their right. way? Yeah. Uh, and in that case, it looked like not working there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I had just written my first book mm-hmm. that later won an international book award. And yet I couldn't get this yeah. not very big job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, yeah, yeah, really humbling. Yes, very humbling. But as you said, it just kind of shaped my way of what leaders are and the types of help that these mm-hmm. new leaders have because as you said before that statistic that you said almost 60% mm-hmm. that was from a career builder survey okay. um, and if you think about it people who've never led before great individual contributors they mm-hmm. get promoted into these first level managerial mm-hmm. positions mm-hmm. and they're part of the biggest population of leaders in any organization and if more than half get no training or development whatsoever mm-hmm. and those that do get way less than more senior more tenured mm-hmm. uh, more experienced leaders in middle and, and upper mm-hmm. levels of management, mm-hmm. that, that's that's a gap. And that's something that has really fueled my passion for helping mm-hmm. these these new leaders who hardly get anything. Well, and these new leaders, by the way, are going to be supporting us yes. as, as yes. we move into exactly toward retirement. Exactly. If, if, indus- if leaders aren't trained and they're mm-hmm. running industries, that gap yeah. impacts our lives. Yes, it does. And we have so many of them who don't want to go into leadership after they've been in it. I don't want to do this anymore. I loved my job before. So again, if we're not helping them, if we're not showing them Mm -hmm. why it's so important to do Mm -hmm. this leadership thing, uh, you're setting up your leadership pipeline for failure for years on down the road. Mm, yeah, and, and our future looks exactly bad. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the mm-hmm. state of the union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the future does not uh-huh. look bright. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, your commitment and mine to helping right. younger leaders and more senior leaders. So, be the boss everyone wants to work for. Mm-hmm. A guide for new leaders is available online and in print. Amazon Books, Google Books, Barnes and Noble, and other major outlets. Yeah. So what data is there around the effectiveness of new leaders? We've been, uh, CCL's been in research for, you know, we've been around for 40, 45 plus Mm -hmm. years. And since I've been at CCL, started as a postdoc and then went over into a full-time researcher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I do research and train and I manage my own uh, group of, as you said, uh, insights, leadership insights and Mm -hmm. analytics. Time and time again, when we look at the at the research and what people say and what we've put out, one every two managers, so that's 50%, mm-hmm. are ineffective in their jobs right now. Based on what measure? I'm not questioning yeah. you, but yeah. I'm curious. We looked at study after study who have actually said X percent of managers were failures, X percent of managers were disappointments, X percent of managers mm-hmm. derailed in their careers. So we looked at, there was about uh, maybe 12 to 15 studies that actually okay. gave that number. Okay. Uh, in their study, and if you average wow. out that number, it came it comes out to fifty percent. Wow. Yeah. And so failure means I didn't deliver results. I flamed out and left. My people quit. in their job. A disappointment uh, in their job. A failure. They they did flame out. They burned out. They derailed in their career. Mm-hmm. Any and all of those. And, and I'm assuming also retention is measured. So it's not just financial results. It's right. also it's, engagement. It's that and person 
as a leader is not doing the types okay. of things he or she wow. needs to be doing. Okay. Yeah. And you know, if, and again, if, if one every two are ineffective and we're setting new managers up for failure right from the beginning because we're not giving them enough time, support, energy, money, all those things to help them be successful. Again, you're setting your pipeline up for, for failure right from the start. Not only your pipeline, your business. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. each of those ineffective leaders is impacting everyone yeah. who, who reports to and them. And all of these leaders on the front line, they, have, they manage the most people mm -hmm. in organizations. Mm -hmm. They have the most direct impact on customer satisfaction, employee mm -hmm. engagement, productivity of your teams. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of the bench strength and the, and the kind of barometer of how healthy your leadership is mm -hmm. in your organization. Well, so I'm just thinking through, and and this is not brain science, but but each of those leaders' lack of engagement, so say yeah. productivity for everyone that works for them goes mm -hmm. down 25 to 50 percent. Yeah, that's huge. Yep. Then attrition. So not only eventually you're going to replace the ineffective mm -hmm. leader, but and all the people who've worked for them who quit. And uh, think about the amount of money it takes to replace an ineffective mm -hmm. leader. Mm -hmm. So that's 10 to 15 times an executive salary is what, what we've, come, yeah, what we've yeah. come up with. But that's just for that person. That All those people. Count, exactly. It doesn't count the, 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 the people that person led. Mm -hmm. It doesn't count the customers that that leader knew or that mm -hmm. leader served. Mm -hmm. So it, your internal stakeholders, your external stakeholders, your customers, your clients, mm -hmm. all sorts of. And so the, the cost even adds up more than that. And firm reputation along exactly. with customer impact. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of one specific client where... We had someone who, who was just ineffective, wrong person, wrong mm -hmm. job. So not a bad guy, yeah. but boy, the the loss of clients. Mm -hmm. That ripple effect. Is millions. Just, yeah. mm -hmm. By one, one guy in the wrong spot. So now we've established the business case mm -hmm. for why this yeah. matters. Yeah. Um, common mistakes new leaders make. Yeah. So based on our research, the, the book's based on research on almost 300 new leaders who came to CCL. Mm -hmm. I was able to look at um, how well they were doing and the competencies that were measured mm -hmm. on their 360 that we were able to look at. Mm -hmm. We're also able to focus on their challenges. So before they came to the program, they had to type in uh, these open-ended responses. Tell mm -hmm. me about your three mm -hmm. biggest challenges you're facing right now. Mm -hmm. So what the book talks about is the, the six basic steps that get to those leadership gaps that we found in the research with our 360s and the biggest challenges that they face. Okay. So for instance, four of the biggest skill gaps that these leaders face, meaning everybody says they need to have these competencies and they need to uh, perform these competencies well to be successful. Mm -hmm. if, they, if they can't do these things, they're not going to be a success. But mm -hmm. we also found that even though these were competencies that were important for success, not many were good at them. So that's that's a gap that we need to fill. So we found out there are four okay. in particular. Yep. So what are they? Yep. Communication. Okay. Influence. Uh, developing others. And okay. leading teams. So these are not things that are shocking. No. no. These are things that have should have been around for a while. Right. Right. But, you know, as we talked about before, if we're not training leaders to begin with, if we're mm -hmm. not training a majority of leaders to begin with, okay. they don't know the skills that, that they need to succeed. So it sounds so, like a training issue predominantly. It's a training issue, and it's it's training the right things. Okay, and then culture and reinforcement have right. to also be there. Right, and the, the funny thing about that leading teams part, the biggest challenge that these leaders had, almost 60% of them said, my biggest challenge right now is going from being a peer mm -hmm. to now displaying authority and being a boss of those peers. Many okay. times, 
it's my friends. You know? So I get promoted in my work group. I right. didn't get promoted and put over in exactly. a different group. Yeah. So how okay. do I display that authority and actually be a leader to those who I work side by side with? Mm -hmm. I work. I was I was a peer with them on Friday. Mm -hmm. Our kids might have played soccer this weekend. Had them over for a barbecue. Might be friends outside of work. And now I have to be their manager. Well, and we used to all complain about the boss, and now I am the boss. Exactly. exactly. So, which conversations can I have? Do I withdraw myself? Yeah. And and yet that friend at work thing is still important. And, it, and, and there's nothing wrong with having friends at work. It right. gets us through. Well, <laughs> yeah. at least according to Gallup, that's what keeps us engaged. Exactly. And yet when I get promoted above, quote, my yeah. friends, mm -hmm. that creates a different dynamic. It does. And again, that's, that's why I wanted to help write that book, to help people understand if you want to help new leaders, focus on these certain things, and here's some practical, actionable tips for you that are evidence-based, that are research-based to help you through. Okay, so what are a couple of those tips? Can you yeah. tell us? So, in in terms of like, as I say, going from BFF to boss, you know, best friends forever. And yeah, I'm, I'm the boss. A couple of things. One is is being completely transparent about the, mm -hmm. the, the change in situation now. Okay, and. You as a leader have to be the one that's proactive in doing it. You can't wait. So, so this is basically saying, Bill, you got promoted yesterday. You're leading the conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to change our agreements. Yeah, yeah. Just setting some some proper boundaries around, mm -hmm. hey, we, we are still friends. We can still be friends. Unless mm -hmm. it's written in the HR book mm -hmm. that you can't do it, which I've never seen an HR I haven't book either. out there that says you can't be friends. There's other things. Mm -hmm. but, or, yeah, 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 yeah. But not friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, never seen We're that. not going there. Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not just going to be a great leader for you, but mm -hmm. to everybody else that's on our team. And I want you to do well, but mm -hmm. I want everybody else to do well also. So there might be times where I can't uh, go out to lunch with you every day mm -hmm. like we did before. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to have to, I don't have to treat every, and I say in the book, don't treat everybody equally, but you got to treat people fairly. Okay, so so fair doesn't equal same. Exactly. It equals it does not. fair given their situation. Exactly. So if mm -hmm. your friend, you know, six months down the road, if mm -hmm. your friend deserved all the raises and the bonuses that are there mm -hmm. because of outstanding work and it's well mm -hmm. documented, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But if your friend is the one who's getting raises and bonuses because of that friendship, mm -hmm. that's, again, that's not treating people fair. And, and what I also want to make sure that, that leaders knew was because you're new to this leadership thing, if, mm -hmm. if your friend's there and you're managing four other people, you don't have to give equal mm -hmm. things to mm -hmm. everybody, you know, but you have to be fair in what you give. So fair versus perception. Mm -hmm. So as my new boss, yeah. you know you're being fair, mm -hmm. but other, and, and I'm delighted that I'm the top performer, but other people know that we're friends and yeah. they say that I'm getting a raise. So they think you're playing favorites. Yep, and that's something that you definitely have to manage. So actually okay. taking a step back, trying to be as objective mm -hmm. about it as possible and seeing, you know, uh, Marina, I'm giving you certain things. You know, I'm thinking about this in my head. Maureen, you're a top performer. Mm -hmm. I'm giving all this stuff. How about Joe? What am I doing with Joe? And, 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 does, and am I giving the right amount of time to Joe compared to you mm -hmm. or to Jane or to whoever it is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to think outside of these personal relationships to be as objective mm -hmm. as possible. And it's a very tough thing to do. Especially in my first role. Yes. Yeah. You know, I worked with a dean of a, a university, so a, an experienced leader. And yet when he got promoted, he withdrew for a little while. And one of his biggest challenges was people felt abandoned. Yes. And that if you that's swinging the pendulum way over to the other yeah. side. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, he fixed it over time, mm -hmm. but that initial need to kind of 
withdraw and just get my feet. Yeah. And then figure out perceptions and and realities mm-hmm. of what can I do. Yeah. But to your point, that conversation up front is absolutely pivotal. And the quicker, the better. And here, here's another statistic for you. I asked uh, a lot of people, how long does it take for you to know whether a new leader has failed mm. in making that transition yeah. in their yeah. first leadership role? And what we found out was it takes about 143 days, so a little bit over 20 weeks, to know whether a person has succeeded or failed in that, which if time is of the essence. It really is. So wow. you as a leader have to be proactive in doing uh, many things. You can't okay. just wait. So having those conversations up hand, stating up hand to the entire group, this is my vision for the group and this is what mm-hmm. I really want to do. Mm-hmm. This is the role that I'm playing and this is what I want to do to help you succeed. Okay. You've got to be able to do that right from the gate. So not that I'm looking entirely for a recipe, but do mm-hmm. you have some examples in your book? Yeah. So okay. I apologize for yeah. not having read it before. <laughs> no yeah. It just came out a couple months ago, okay. so it's still brand new. Um, what I what I call in the book, the, the red thread that, that is throughout the book, it's called Flip Your Script. Okay. okay. So tell me what that yeah, means. Yeah. So like any script in a play or a movie mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. the script of an individual contributor is like that old breakup line. Yeah, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> you said. So it, yes. So <laughs> Had it used it, on me. Exactly. Many times on, on, on me as well. But what that means in terms of employees and working, my success is not about you, it's about me. It's about my skills and my talent, it's mm-hmm. my technical savvy, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the things that I know, my motivation. That's what made me successful and got me raises and bonuses mm-hmm. and all those mm-hmm. things. That's what got me promoted into leadership. That's what gets a lot of us promoted in leadership. Yeah. It's, it's all about yeah. me, myself, and I. If we stick with that script, yeah. we're going to fail in our leadership role. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the biggest reasons why leaders derail in their career through, through our research mm-hmm. at CCL, mm-hmm. it's called too narrow of a functional orientation. So that is okay. the classic, hey, I'm an engineer. I'm really good at, at, at doing what I do. Because mm-hmm. I'm so good at doing what I do, at being an engineer, I get promoted into leadership. Mm-hmm. And I'm a leader. What do I keep doing? I keep being an engineer. Yeah. Or in my case, I'm a really great researcher, publish all this stuff, love what I do. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I get promoted into leadership. Can I let that go? And that's one of the big things that I personally am struggling with right now is letting that go and flipping my script and saying, it's not about me anymore. So again, the old script is, it's not you, it's me, focusing uh-huh. on me. Flipping that script, it's not about me anymore. Okay. And so that's the red thread throughout the entire book. So I want to go on break, Mm -hmm. and then when we come back, I want to hear more about your personal story about how you did that. Because it's one thing to say it conceptually, you got to do this. And it's something I'm still struggling with. So I want to hear this. Definitely. I think our listeners want to hear this, because we can all write papers. Right. And we've all (laughs) done it because it hurt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? And that's, I think, for many of us, the gold in this conversation. Yeah. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. 
For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're with Bill Gentry at the International Leaders Association Conference. You talked about one of the key factors in new leaders being flipping your script Mm -hmm. and that you are recently in a transition that's involving you flipping your script. Right. Right when I signed the book contract, I got promoted into my first leadership position. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a a really kind of eye-opening kind of thing because, as I said, the the, the book is is research-based. It's based on the research we've done on new leaders. Mm -hmm. I don't train new leaders as well, so it's like... You know, this is what I learned in my research. These are the kinds of things you need to do. Based <laughs> you on need to yeah, do. You need to do it. And now it's like, oh, I've, I'm I'm leading people now. So let's put this to the test. And there's a lot of things that you don't know what you don't know until you're in it. And once I got in and I started realizing, it's not as easy as just you know the the tools that are in the book. It's great. They work, but it's not an easy thing to do. And as I said right uh, right before the break, we said one of the one of the hardest things for leaders to do is to let go of the things that made them successful. Again. It's not about me anymore. Yeah. And that's yeah. what that, that flip script really needs to hone in on. And, and that's a very tough thing to do, and a lot of people struggle with it. So what are you letting go of? Right now, it, as I say, it's a very difficult thing for me to do. I, I love doing the work. I love, I'm a mm-hmm. researcher. I'm an yeah. psychologist. I love crunching numbers. Uh-huh. I love writing up reports. Mm-hmm. I love doing those things and coming up with, you know, translating those numbers mm-hmm. and those statistics into words into something that people can use yep. to help. That's yep. what I love doing. 40 peer-reviewed papers, <laughs> yeah. 50 out. Yeah, I've got nine books. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I like being by myself writing. Right. right. Or I like that better than mm-hmm. the challenges of humans are complicated. Yes, yes, they are. And that's why I said leadership would be easy if it wasn't for the people. People. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say something right before yeah. the people, but yeah. The complicated people. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So one of the things that I've struggled with a lot is letting go of what makes me successful and what is my main identifier mm-hmm. of who I am. And now saying, you know, it's not about me anymore. It's about the people that I lead and serve right now. It's about okay. how can I make them be successful at being a researcher? How can I make them be successful as an psychologist? How can I make them be successful mm-hmm. in their role mm-hmm. at CCL where, where we work? Okay, so the word you used was serve. 
Mm-hmm. And and often, and probably much less now in 2016 than we used to, mm-hmm. but people think of leadership as I have positional power over. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, we still do. We, and, there's still and, a boss. And there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. for certain times. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And yet the balance of mm-hmm. I am both a boss and a servant. Yeah. Not over-servant as in I don't hold people accountable because right. I right. think that's a dangerous trap. Mm-hmm. But I also don't over direct in a case where getting where where servant is really the right role. Yeah. Can you talk about that? I can. Balance? It's one of the big flips in the book. I said there's six different flips mm-hmm, in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, mindset, skill set, relationships, your do it all attitude, your perspective and your focus. And based on the okay. research, those are the six different things okay. that I believe new managers need to do to, to flip mm-hmm. their script. Um, as I talked about before, those skill gaps, mm-hmm. uh, communication and influence is all part about flipping your skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, leading teams is all about flipping your relationships. So again, mm-hmm. is that going from BFF to boss? It's all about flipping mm-hmm. your relationships. The flipping your do-it-all attitude—that's the kind of thing that I'm one yeah. of the one of the two major things that I'm struggling mm-hmm. with right now. I'll tell you a little about the second one too. So flipping your do-all attitude. You know, mm-hmm. again, as an individual contributor. You do everything, you're successful. Yep. As a leader, you can't do everything anymore. Mm-hmm. So how? So the thing that I am starting to, that I am struggling with, and I'm starting to turn the corner around. I was really mm-hmm. understanding, you can still be an IO psychologist, you can still be a researcher, Bill. Right. But use that passion of doing the work to delegate work to others to make them successful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when they are struggling, use that passion and the knowledge that you know to develop them, to coach them, mm-hmm. to mentor them. Mm-hmm. That's the role that you play now. You mm-hmm. don't do the work anymore. You help others be able to do the work because your success as a leader, Bill, mm-hmm. is, is, mm-hmm. Through the, is through the work of the people that, that work for you. You know, it, it, this, it's interesting because this is one I've struggled with also. And I've led teams and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that I have my own company, I'm back to struggling with the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's also interesting as I observe how I've traveled the journey and... Now I'm back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so this happened yesterday, so it's really fresh in my mind. Again, that shift from I can get it all done to the more I try to do and when I'm not asking for help, we fail. Yeah. I may be, our little bit is successful, Mm -hmm. but we as a group are failures. Right. So I got to get over that asking for help. It mm-hmm. feels like I'm asking for a personal favor. Mm-hmm. It, it's asking someone to do their job. And it's, it, again, and it's it thinking about it a different way. Different. It's, yeah. By delegating work to others, you're freeing yourself to do other things. Mm-hmm. By delegating work to others, you're helping them gain more of the knowledge and the skills that they need to be mm-hmm. successful. I know all these things. And it doesn't difficult. feel that way. Yep, yep. And it's very difficult. But that's something, again, that as, mm-hmm. as new leaders, if you want to keep being mm-hmm. a success in this leadership role, that is mm-hmm. something that you're going to have to do. Uh, yeah. So you're counseling me at this moment. Mm-hmm. I know I've got to do it, yeah. but how do I get beyond it doesn't feel good? Mm-hmm. Is that just pull up your big old <laughs> panties and keep on going? I think it or is. is. I, <laughs> I think there's a couple other things, too. It's, okay. You know, why are you helping your folks? Why are you helping the, the, the people you know, that, that work for you? I mean, what, Because we have a big mission. There's yes. good stuff we want to exactly. do. Exactly. So if you can realize that what you do is impacting others in a positive mm-hmm. way and focusing on that, mm-hmm. I think that helps out. Okay. Second thing that really helps out, 
what is, what is your own boss saying? What are your mentors mm-hmm. saying? Or what, what kind of perspective yeah, can you Unfortunately, it's my company. Exactly. So. Yeah, but other mentors that you have, yeah, other coaches, yeah. they have people outside of, uh, of your, you know, on the outskirts of your network. You know, how are uh, they, how do they see you being able to, to do this effectively? That also helps too. Well, and, and we're in the process of um, integrating a new practice lead who's brilliant, who is every bit my equal, if not mm-hmm. better. And so having a partner in the the execution of the work is hugely helpful and yet there's still a little bit of i it's not about trust i trust he's Mm -hmm. better than i am Mm -hmm. but asking it feels like asking for help yeah that's the interesting part and as as i tell new leaders all the time and i I face Mm -hmm. it myself um and i when i when i train them too i said when you step up into leadership i want Mm -hmm. i want to relieve this pressure from you you don't have to be Mm -hmm. perfect you don't have to do everything. Uh, you you can make mistakes, and it's okay to make mistakes. For I'd for I'd say for probably ninety five plus mm-hmm. percent of the jobs out there, if you mm-hmm. make a mistake, nothing bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That you one's not my problem. Yeah, because <laughs> I I fully own that. Yeah. When you're doing new stuff all the time, you're gonna make mm-hmm. mistakes. Yeah, yeah. But being okay with making mistakes and asking and mm-hmm. being okay with asking for help. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. So where is your sticking point? I mean, mine is asking for help. Yeah. It feels like something about I'm, I can't do it all, mm-hmm. right? We live in a society that rewards heroes. Yeah. You know, I go to the movies and it's Captain America and Ant-Man. Well, I don't, Ant-Man, not necessarily, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, superheroes. Mm-hmm. And that we have this societal focus on good looks like that. And I think... Either that or my wiring. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder where is your sticking point? Yeah, it's it's. I just don't want to look stupid. I mean, okay. that's, that's one of the things that I really don't want to do because yeah, I've worked hard to get to mm-hmm. where I am mm-hmm. and all the things I want to do, and I don't want to look stupid. But you know what? When when you are a leader, any place, well, and a researcher. Matter, yeah. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell you, I, I research new leaders, I train them, and I am them now. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot different, and I just don't want to look like I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of us in this position right now who don't know what we're doing. Well, you know, my recent article in Forbes talks about um, leaders needing to be scientists. So as a researcher, this would be natural for you. Mm-hmm. And again, we get stuck in our own stuff. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I don't have all the answers, and if I'm doing progressive stuff, which you are, yeah. you're going to be out in front of people, mm-hmm. and you're going to be putting forward theories yeah. that people are going to shoot holes at because that's what researchers do. Right. And yet one, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it doesn't. And one of the things that, that I keep you know close to me every time I think mm-hmm. about my struggles in this, I ask the new leaders when I train, what what do people think you are saying when you don't give the work to others? Mm-hmm. When you don't aren't mm-hmm. able to delegate, mm-hmm. when you keep all the work to yourself, yeah. constantly, time and time again, they say things like, "They're telling, I'm telling them that I don't think you can do the work. Mm. I'm telling them that I don't think you're confident enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them that, you know what, I don't trust you. Yeah, that, that was the one that came to mind, exactly. I don't trust you. Yeah. So allowing yourself to let go of those things mm-hmm. and giving mm-hmm. the work to others and having them shine, if you're able to do that, you know, you're going to have people who are highly engaged in the job, mm-hmm. people who want to do the work, mm-hmm. uh, people who actually trust you. You're going to have a really great, mm-hmm. great time or a better time mm-hmm. in, in this, in this uh, leadership journey that you're on. 
You know, the thing that strikes me about our conversation and, and kind of a core value of mine, but also hard, is this kind of transparency that you and I are sharing yeah. publicly, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, in a recorded yeah. interview, that this stuff is hard. Yes, and, I, you know, I, I think a lot like what Brene Brown says, um, to be courageous is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think leaders out there are the most courageous people right now because they have to get up every day and face decisions, make decisions, do things that they don't want to do, but they have to do it. They have to have, uh, you know, I, I dread the days that I have to have feedback conversations with people and I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to, mm-hmm. but that's something that I have to do because mm-hmm. if I don't do that, it's going to be a blind spot for them mm-hmm. and I'm not doing my job. Well, and the gift of, it, we've all had those conversations that they feel terrible. Mm-hmm. But boy, they were career turning points. Yeah. yeah. In hearing the hearing the truth delivered compassionately. Yeah. It is yeah. because I care about you that I'm right. doing this. Because if I didn't mm-hmm. care about you, I yeah. wouldn't waste wouldn't the energy. Care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, I tell you, you're fine, and mm-hmm. you'd go on your way. Yeah. But the care, mm-hmm. and and the emotional process I go through to give negative feedback is yeah. tough. It's tough, and it's a definite part of the job, and you have uh-huh. to be able to give that feedback. We've recently done some research on the amount of feedback people are getting and the types of feedback mm-hmm. they are getting mm-hmm. and the types of feedback that they're res- not only getting but giving okay. and what they need to be doing and how they need to be doing it. So it's not just, hey, you're doing a good job. It's you're doing a good job, and here's why, or you're doing a bad job, and here's why. And it's mm-hmm. giving constant feedback, more positive than negative, mm-hmm. over the time. The 80-20 kind of thing? Yeah, and right now we're, we're looking, uh, in terms of what our newest research is looking at, it's usually around a uh, 65, 35, 75, ah, 25, okay. good to bad. So if I'm not giving bad feedback or constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say it's I'm negative. I mean, my- you can you you know you can give negative <laughs> feedback and it it can still be negative. You can give positive feedback and still be constructive too. Mm-hmm. So I usually just say positive and negative. Okay. But you know, giving compliments, giving that that great job, that's a great piece of feedback. But giving the positive comments and saying it was a great job and here's why. So the specific, so exactly. I can repeat it. Exactly. Because great job doesn't tell doesn't me tell much. Doesn't tell me what I did about anything. I mean, nice it's, shoes exactly. says at least something specific. Yeah. But great job. Mm-hmm. And especially with the negative feedback too, I didn't like you doing that and here's why. Or when you when you did this in the meeting and being specific about mm-hmm. the behavior and the impact it had on me. Yeah, I was gonna say the specific impact yes. on someone they care about. Or the objective feedback it had on mm-hmm. our team not getting the work mm-hmm. done, or mm-hmm. if you can even trace it to the bottom line of your yeah. team or organization, objectively. So subjectively mm-hmm. how it impacted me or yeah. objectively how it impacted others, that's the kind of feedback people actually want. I know it's the hardest to give, and it's yeah. the thing people want. Yes. Yeah. And so, if I'm not giving at least twenty-five percent negative or constructive mm-hmm. feedback, I'm not doing my job. You're not. You're not. Okay. I that def- that's I a very direct that. statement. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely believe that. Okay. So what else? We talked about the six steps of flipping the script. Yep. Is there anything else we want to cover in that? Yeah, so uh, the mind says the first one, we were able to look at, at the types of motivations people have when they learn and mm-hmm. they want to grow and develop. And we found that effective new leaders have a different type of motivation. They're really wanting to learn because it's fun, it's exciting, it's intrinsically mm-hmm. pleasing, not because it's going to make them look good. And, you okay. know, we both have those motivations. We all have those yeah. motivations. Yeah. But the most successful ones are, again, it's not about me anymore. It's not about looking good anymore. So back to that servant leadership. Exactly. Yeah. Why am I wanting to learn? Because it's fun. Because I'm going to learn something new. 
Mm -hmm. And so thinking like a leader, that growth mindset versus fixed Mm -hmm. mindset that Carol Dweck talks about Mm -hmm. rings true with with the research that we have Mm -hmm. with new leaders here. I was going to say a theme through this conference seems to be thinking bigger than myself. Yes, yes. Whether it's bigger than my company and certainly different bigger than profit motive. Mm -hmm. Not that profit profit keeps our companies running. So nothing against Mm -hmm. profit, but what bigger? Right. So if I connect what I'm doing to my employee success to my customer success mm-hmm. and, and even better in some cases to some social good yeah then I yeah. will motivate people not only myself but my employees especially Millennials who seem more driven by social good yeah. so if you're able to think differently in terms of why I want to be a leader mm-hmm. why I even mm-hmm. want to learn about this leadership thing, mm-hmm. that that's great that's flipping your script okay if not just able- I want more money so exactly. I can get a better car <laughs> exactly yeah. when I was driving a Chevette by the way that was enough of an incentive <laughs> And again, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. motivation, but yeah. if that is your leading motivation, yeah. that could be something that can be flipped. That could mm-hmm. be something uh, Expand, built upon. <laughs> exactly. So the mindset, the skill set that we talked about before, communication uh-huh. and influence. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it's not about me anymore. And we tend to communicate and influence others the way we like to be communicated yep. and influenced with. So helping managers understand it's not about me anymore and being able to read the audience and mm-hmm. communicate differently to fit my audience's needs. Yeah. And I think that's key because mm-hmm. so many of us were brought up with the golden rule, treat people like yep. you want to be treated. I talk about it's the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated. And that's which, what leadership is all about in terms of these different skills that you need to flip. Which means I'm listening. Yes, exactly. And you're paying attention, you're understanding, mm-hmm. and you're being mindful. And this is what makes communication so hard for leaders. You have to be yeah. mindful of not just the words you're saying, but the actions that go behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And along the same line, while you're doing that, reading and picking up those cues from your audience. And that's why it is just so hard to be able to communicate one-on-one. Yeah. And that's why it's hard to influence people, too, because mm-hmm. if your communication message isn't hitting your audience mm-hmm. and resonating mm-hmm. with them, you have to be able to change and be savvy enough to read it and change the way in order to influence and communicate with others. You know, I think of something I did early in my career. I had a young woman working for me who was wearing clothes that were way too tight, like mm-hmm. inappropriately yep. tight, um, and thigh highs where you could see, you know, part, body parts you didn't want to see in the office. And yet I tried so hard to be proper in my feedback, and she went to my boss and said, Maureen says I'm fat. Um, <laughs> you know, it's hard. It is. It's hard, especially on those Personal, you have bad breath, you need to shower, you need to dress differently. Leaders are probably the most courageous people. They have to be the most courageous people. Who wants to? Nobody wants to do that. I don't want to wake up every day and have that conversation, but we have to do that. Never. We have to do that at times. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, mindset and skill set relationships, we talked about You know how mm-hmm. to lead teams more effectively going from a peer to a boss. Mm-hmm. We just talked about the do-it-all attitude. I, I mentioned before, uh, the yeah, those are four of the six. Okay. The fifth one is flipping your perspective, and that's the other thing that I'm struggling with right uh-huh. now. As, as individual contributors, you have your head down doing all the work. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you have to get your head up out of the work and think more broadly about how does the work and the team fit within the organizational landscape Mm -hmm. and dealing with the politics of organizations and managing Mm -hmm. up and managing out Mm -hmm. and trying to uh, manage your internal stakeholders as well. And that's one of the strategy and it's thinking more strategically. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that in my, uh, in my, uh, uh, mid-year performance development Mm -hmm. plan, Mm -hmm. I just had my conversation with my boss a couple weeks ago for a mid-year plan. Um, that's one of the things that I told her I'm, I'm really struggling with. It's because mm-hmm. I see clearly how I can get my work done. I'm starting to turn the corner on, on, on really motivating my staff and getting their work done, but how does it all okay. fit in? 
So that's the that's the big thing I'm struggling with right now, and, and it's something many leaders have to struggle with too. Again, the, the things you're talking about seem almost archetypal in that we all grapple with them mm -hmm. more or less in each of our own ways. Yeah. So as we have a couple of minutes left. Yep. Um, let's move to what support do first-time managers actually need and how can organizations provide it? So yep. I say I run a small to medium-sized company. I don't mm -hmm. have this huge budget. Right. It'd all be nice if I could send my people sure. to CCL, but sure. um, if I can't, yeah. what can I do? We we found at, at CCL some research that leaders who go through a, mm -hmm. a leadership development program mm -hmm. two months after, six months after, mm -hmm. they actually uh, are more self-aware and they're better in their job, especially and particularly if the boss supports them. So okay. having a very supportive management team, having okay. a very supportive culture around, hey, development's important. And we're okay. going to give you the time to do this. And we're okay. going to invest the time. It doesn't have to be multi-million dollar leadership mm -hmm. building programs. Hey, it'd be great if it is. But again, mm -hmm. here's a book. Okay. Here's, so here's Bill's a, book, by yeah, the way. <laughs> or, or any book, yeah. Uh, but yeah, be, here's a book. Here's how to be the boss everyone wants to work for. Giving that out to people, letting them try, letting them fail, letting them learn from their mistakes, talking with them, mentoring them. That's huge. So we could get your book. Mm -hmm. And a group of new managers go exactly. through every week mm -hmm. and talk about it exactly. and share their experiences. Which is another way to help peer mentoring, these mm -hmm. mentoring circles having, mm -hmm. if, if you and a few other managers are new, and mm -hmm. are new leaders right now, having yourselves be peers to each other, to coach each other, mm -hmm. and then maybe getting somebody who's more senior organization mm -hmm. who wants to help yeah. and who so wants to give back. Yeah. yeah. And having that, that older person mentor Mm -hmm. So not only are you getting the top-down mentoring, you're getting the peer-to-peer the -peer mentoring. What a wonderful way to, to get extra support for yourself. Bill, thank you. You're welcome. What a pleasure to share our stories. I mm -hmm. wasn't thinking we were going to do that today. <laughs> <laughs> but also, your book is is hugely important. Thank you. And the idea, again, that for people who can afford to go to CCL, absolutely mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And for the millions of people yeah. who can't. Yeah. Or for even those who might have been leaders before for many years but mm -hmm. never got the training to begin with. What a wonderful mm -hmm. way to start and actually become a new leader. Well, and to refresh. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking is during our conversation of some things I've struggled with that we talked about, yeah. that I need to update my inner algorithm mm -hmm. and just kind of get a little more savvy. Yeah, yeah, and we can, and it's possible. I hope so. That's, sure that's what we do for a living, yeah. right? Both of us. So in our summary, I'd like to pull some specifics from Bill's book and share them with our listeners. So early in the interview, Bill talked about the price of being an ineffective leader and people specifically promoted into their first role. So here are some of the findings that uh, the Center for Creative Leadership and Bill came up with over the last decade. 82% of frontline leaders, where many new leaders are in the organization, are not rated as excellent in their skills and capability as leaders. 80% of frontline leaders are dissatisfied with the job they're doing as leaders, and 70% of their senior 
senior managers agree. 40% of newly supported leaders fail within the first 18 months, and 50% of managers are labeled as incompetent, a disappointment, a wrong hire, or a complete failure by their coworkers. So again, this is a pretty dire set of statistics, given that many of us have worked so hard to move into these first roles, and yet find that when we get there, the results we deliver are quite ineffective. And so I want to give some examples of what ineffective, how we would measure that. So one is I failed to meet the business goals. My staff retention is low. My employee disengagement is high. And I have an adverse impact on many of my clients. And I want to give an example of one of the clients I worked with who did this. He was hired again as a highly effective technical leader. And yet when running an office, he was ineffective. He delivered business results or his team did. And yet his behaviors left people feeling angry, disengaged. He he was mean-spirited and overly uh, micromanaging. He didn't allow people the freedom to have their own thoughts. He, when giving feedback, made them feel incompetent rather than encouraging them to continue and grow and develop because they were in fact effective for where they were on their developmental trajectory and just needed to enhance their skills. So those were a few of the examples I saw with this leader and unfortunately the company did keep him for a long time and in the process in this case they lost key employees, they lost millions of dollars worth of projects so his inability to lead effectively really had a negative impact on the business and unfortunately in this case the business did not take action quickly enough to resolve his challenges and what they tried to do by demonstrating confidence in their employee instead of getting him help quickly caused a big problem across the organization so that's where Bill's book comes in to help us as more senior leaders identify some of the short shortcomings and give very specific and actionable items and Bill gives seven of them that will help leaders maintain their effectiveness. Here's a section he calls don't believe the hype. Let me set the record straight and make this very, very clear. The boss everyone wants to work for is not a perfect, energetic, popular, animated, outgoing, gregarious, touchy-feely, audience-rousing maverick of a rock star celebrity who is the smartest in the room. Everyone's friend and is not just liked, but beloved by all. We might aspire to this, but think about it. The best bosses you've worked for aren't all of those things, are they? Of course not. So don't put that type of pressure on yourself. They also aren't the all-knowing, godlike, self-admired, self-involved, brown-nosing, micromanaging, big-headed, rude, controlling, scream and threaten people to get the work done loners and jerks who talk a good game and say all the right things with win at all costs attitude. That's not the answer either. The science bill presents and the stories that you'll read describe how you can be the type of boss everyone wants to work for. It is possible, but with that may come different reactions, no doubt. You're eager to get on the fast track and what a great way to start. Maybe you feel joy and acceptance, like you finally made it. Maybe you're scared. Yeah, you could feel some dread. The thought of you getting stuck with it may cross your mind. 
but in the end, you know you deserve it. You think you could master being a leader just as quickly as you mastered the work that got you promoted into leadership in the first place. The opportunity to change so many things at your organization for the better is there. And like any first, you know as well as I do that you'll never get the second chance at leading others for the first time in your life. You don't want to blow it. The pressure is on. Bring it. Regardless of how you felt or under what circumstances you were promoted, Bill is willing to bet this. No matter what profession, function, or field you're in, working behind a desk or on a sales floor or in the field, working for government, a nonprofit, a Fortune 500, otherwise, woman or man, young or old, in the US, UK, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, or any other place, the reason behind your I just got promoted into management for the first time story and experience is shared with almost every other new leader out there. So maybe you have a particular skill set, but as any industrial organization psychologist who studies and conducts research on effective as well as failed leaders, and as someone who designs and trains leadership development and executive education programs specifically for leaders, one of the things I have come to know is this. Exceeding expectations and having a very special set of technical skills helps a person stand out from others and make a high-performing employee and possibly a kick-ass movie hero. It does not necessarily make a boss everyone wants to work for. So with all of this in mind, the question is how do we connect the dots? The bosses everyone wants to work for instill a purpose, motivation, and meaning with every single one of the people who report to them and work with them. The people they lead and serve understand just how important and meaningful their work is to the team and organization. They understand how their lives matter. They're connecting the dots. Part of the foundation of Adam Grant's popular work, Give and Take, is the early research on generating motivation and meaningful work. Through multiple experiments in the lab and in organizations, Grant exposed the power of meaningful work. How did he do this? For example, in general studies, Grant brought into the workplace what he calls beneficiaries or end users who shared their stories and how they directly benefited from the work of the team. The results? The team's performance, sales, and revenues all increased afterwards. Obviously, when people clearly understand how they and their work matters to others and how their work was significant and provided meaning to others, their dedication and performance increased. They felt more satisfied with their job and they persisted through the tough times. That's connecting the dots. The boss everyone wants to work for stick to their script by connecting the dots. They make it clear to the people they lead and serve how their work matters. There's a lot for you to think about in applying this work. All I can do is make you aware of what, why, and how to flip your script and stick to the flipped script to maximize your chance for success as a new leader. You'll never read a leadership book or attend a leadership course that will tell you if you do X, then Y. If you do X, then Y will happen every single time, then success, because we're human beings with feelings and emotions and imperfections, including the people who wrote this book and developed this course. Think about it. Being one of the bosses everyone wants to work for doesn't mean that you're perfect. Rather, stick with your flipped script. Put the spotlight not on you, but on those you lead and serve. If you do this, they'll feel like they and their work have meaning, which produces more motivation, engagement, and better performance. They'll believe they make a difference. So at this point, I'd like to thank Bill Gentry for graciously allowing me to directly quote from his book, Be the Boss Everyone Wants to Work For, A Guide for New Leaders, by William Gentry, published with the Center for Creative Leadership, and also thank the Center for Creative Leadership for sharing their wisdom and all of the research they've done that any of us who have been working in the field of leadership for any period of time have drawn directly from. Also, thank you, Cynthia and the International Leadership Association for allowing me 
to record this series with your thought leaders, keynotes, and Lifetime Achievement Award winners. This is a series of 10 interviews that will be aired over a 10-week period. So this work, Bill's book, is different than most of the other interviews we've done at the ILA because it's focusing on new leaders rather than senior leaders or global leaders. And I think this is critical at this point in time, especially with a lot of the rhetoric we're seeing on how leaders should be in charge and give direction versus the question of servant leadership and how much do leaders actually serve the people that they work for and with and their clients. Certainly they set direction, but the day of the large ego, I'm going to tell you what to do leader, needs to be balanced with a sense of serving those with whom we work. So I think Bill's message provides what I believe is probably the best book I've seen that gives extremely detailed information about how to transition from individual contributor to new leader. So this is Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Thank you very much for listening, and I would love to get your feedback. Please email me at info at metcalf-associates.com or join our Facebook page, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Either way, I would love to hear your feedback, and let me know as you listen to these interviews and try some of the suggestions we've made, what's worked for you and what hasn't. I would love to give Bill feedback and also shape our shows to be more helpful for our listeners. Thank you again. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.